evening. <laughs> it is great to be here tonight. Thank you for being here tonight. I hope that uh, all the moms have been uh, blessed today. I hope that everybody got to have a good time. Uh, we were having a very good time at our house and uh, got a call um, in the middle of it, and it was Karen, and she was calling telling me that Chris was down in his back and could not get up and uh, asked me if I could fill in. So uh, this is on short notice, so bear with me, and hopefully we'll get through this together. Um, and I am literally the backup speaker tonight. Um, and we'll be talking a little bit about on uh, Jordan Stormy Banks. And Martha, if you're really quick, you'll catch where why this came up today, because you might know where I got the inspiration for this story, <laughs> if you think about class today. I feel kind of like uh, the, the chauffeur in one of Jerry Clower's uh, favorite stories of mine. Um, there was a story that he liked to tell about a, uh, a guy that was hired by a chemical company to go around the country and give this speech, and he would go from college to college. And they hired a chauffeur, and the chauffeur would take him to each one of these places to do his speech. And one day they were traveling to college, and he said, you know what? He said, you make all the money, but I bet you I've heard this speech so many times that I could give it as good as you do. And so the, uh, the guy that was hired by the chem chemical company said, well, you know what? I've never been to this college, and they wouldn't know me if they saw me. So you pull over the car, and we'll change clothes, and you get up there, and you make that speech. And so they stopped, they changed clothes, and they got up to the college, and they went up there, and the chauffeur got up and he gave the speech and did just an eloquent job with it. And all the students and the, and the faculty were so impressed. And the president of the university got up and he said, my, my, that's been such a great speech. And he said, we've got a few extra minutes. He said, if anybody has any questions, feel free to ask. So this one real egghead, super bright, obviously smart student gets up and stands up and he asked this long, drawn-out question, detailed about what the speech was about. And the chauffeur stood up, and he said, You know what? He said, Of all the places I've been to, that's got to be the simplest question I've ever heard. I'll tell you how simple it is. My chauffeur is sitting back there in the back, and he can answer that question. <laughs> so that's kind of how I feel. Um, on Jordan Stormy Banks... It was written by a gentleman named Samuel Stennett. He lived uh, from 1727 to 1795. So this is a hymn that's been around for a long time. Um, his, he grew up as a uh, son of a, um, his dad was a Jehovah's, or a Seventh-day Adventist preacher. And uh, he eventually became a uh, Baptist minister. Uh, he was a personal friend of King George III which was kind of uh, ironic in the fact that at that time um, you were pretty much an outcast in England if you were not uh, a member of the, uh, the Church of England. But he still managed to be friends uh, with the king. Um, when he first wrote the song uh, in England, it was called Promised Land. And um, it was originally written in a minor chord and uh, was changed and the version that we now sing, uh, that version, uh, there actually is, I guess, newer versions um, that we've sang here a time or two, but that version that we sing 
It was originally printed in 1895. Um, the song is a word picture uh, looking forward to the day uh, that we, uh, we get to heaven and looking forward to what heaven's going to be like. Um, and, and I think it's a very uh, encouraging song sometimes that, that uh, helps us to look forward to what we have to look forward to someday. But how many of you know what uh, biblical story this song's referencing back to? In the book of Joshua, we read the story, and to catch you up on what was going on, Exodus, we read the story of the Israelites had been in Egypt, and they uh, were able to get out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea, and they sent out 12 spies to see the promised land. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back with positive reports. The other 10 said, we can't do it. There's no way we can take it. These dudes are giants. And because of that, the children of Israel were forced to wander the wilderness for 40 years until all the, um, the uh, men women that were of a certain age had passed away and even Moses uh, because of some things he did was not allowed to go into the promised land and so Moses had been given the opportunity to go up on the mountain and look and see the land that they were going to take and then Moses died and Joshua took over and so in the book of Joshua uh, reread the story uh, of the Israelites going to take their promised land that they had been offered to them. Just like um, today, we have the opportunity to look ahead to the promise that we have uh, once this life is over, the promise of heaven. Um, We look at Joshua chapter uh, chapter 3 and verse 5. And they're starting to get ready. Um, they have moved their camps along the Jordan River. And to get to the land that they had promised, they have to cross the Jordan River. Now, they have crossed the Red Sea to get out of Egypt. Jordan River is not nearly as impressive as the Red Sea, but it was at flood stage. And it was still going to be a monumental task to get a nation full of people across this river. So, not only that, but once they crossed the river, basically, uh, they were in enemy territory. Uh, They were in the land that God had promised them, but they had to take it. And so, um, in chapter 3 and verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will get to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Time is ready. They're getting ready to cross. Joshua pumps the people up. Hey, God's fixing to do amazing things with you. And God pumps Joshua up. I had Moses. Oh, I, Moses through my power, was able to get the people out of Egypt. Now, working with me, 
you're going to lead the people into the promised land. So the people were told the Ark of the Covenant was going to go out in front. And the Levite priests were carrying the Ark. And they went out to the River Jordan. Once again, it was at flood stage. And as the priest went into the water, the water stopped flowing and started backing up. It backed all the way up to a city called Adam. And downstream, there was no water to flow. And then the uh, priest with the Ark of the Covenant went and stood in the middle of the river. And the people were able to cross. And one of the things that, they, that, that Joshua had them do is the, he said for each tribe to pick one man to grab a stone. And so they took a stone out of the middle of the river and they carried it across and they put it in their camp after they got across. And he told them to do that so that when their children look back to that point and ask, why those rocks were there would give them an opportunity to teach them about what God had done for them. And I was thinking, you know, that's kind of like a family heirloom. I'm sure probably a lot of you have something that has been passed um, through your family. Um, I have a couple things. I have a stopwatch that was my great-great-grandfather's, and I have a um, 22 rifle that was my... Uh, my papaws, my grandfathers, and Landon has that gun now uh, when I let him use it, and it's not as much the gun, although he likes it, and of course, you know, any, any kid having a gun is a good thing for him in his eyes, um, but every time we take that gun out, there are stories that are told about me using that gun or about my dad using that gun or something we've heard Papa talk about he used that gun for. So it's not the value as much of the heirloom as it is the stories that go with it. And I think this is the wisdom that God was using to have Joshua take these rocks. And you think about it, the rocks that came out of the middle of the Jordan River are going to look a lot different than the ones that are in the, in the river. Uh, they've had water rushed over them, and we know what happens uh, as water rushes over rocks. It polishes them down smooth, and so they would look completely different. And so the goal was there that the children uh, in later years would see those rocks. They would look out, and they would ask why these rocks were there, and there would be the story that they could tell about um, what effect it had. But I think that the, as we look at the song on Jordan's Stormy Banks, one of the things that, that we can pull from that song and pull from the story of, of, uh, of Joshua and, and crossing the River Jordan is that sometimes it looks like a difficult task. Sometimes it looks like something that's going to be hard. But we have to look at the reward that lies ahead. Um, this life is not an easy life. Um, there are tough times in life. There are a lot of fun times and a lot of good times, but there's tough times as well. And for us to be able to look and see and know what the end result's going to be and know that it's going to be good, um, 
that's the same feeling that they had that day standing on the banks of the Jordan River and looking out at the land that flowed with milk and honey and knowing that very soon it was going to be theirs. So as Christians, we have that same opportunity. We can look out and we can know that one of these days when it's our time and we cross the river, we've got something beautiful to look forward to. And, and the main thing of that is going to be with God and be united with Jesus. And so that's, I think, one of the lessons that we can draw out of Jordan's stormy banks. Anytime we get together on a, on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, we certainly want to offer the invitation for somebody who may be wanting to put Christ on in baptism. And we are certainly, uh, if somebody has that need, uh, we will certainly um, be glad to do that, rejoice in doing that. If somebody has needs of uh, prayer, we can certainly do that as well. Also, if you're unable to take of communion this morning, um, we'll have that uh, offer as well. And um, whatever mead, and by the way, if you don't know, and your uh, communion will be in room 100, and you can make your way uh, as we sing this song. Um, whatever your needs, uh, you can stand, stand as we sing this song.